Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Okay, guess that's my cue. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is six minutes after five o'clock on this Friday, February the 3rd of 2023. And I'm sure you've heard by now the reports that Notre Dame's Tommy Reese is making a lateral move in terms of his position. He has accepted the offensive coordinator position with the Alabama Crimson Tide. So the former Notre Dame quarterback who told this football team December 1st, 2021, he wanted to be here, bring a national championship to his alma mater. Well, about 14 months later, he is now Tuscaloosa Tommy. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. No Twitch app tonight because I am not in studio tonight. I am in the man cave getting set to call Notre Dame hockey. The Fighting Irish are playing in East Lansing, Michigan tonight against the Michigan State Spartans. You can hear the contest on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. My pregame will begin at 6.45, and the opening faceoff from Munn Ice Arena at 7 o'clock. So because of my hockey duty, sports beat is condensed to one hour tonight. The first two segments will be in regard to the news of the day. Tommy Reese reportedly leaving Notre Dame to take the Alabama job. The Crimson Tide have not made an announcement as of yet. Of course, Notre Dame has nothing to say at this particular time, but we would assume, based on all the reports, this is a situation where Marcus Freeman now has the opportunity to handpick his offensive coordinator for the next few years, and you could argue this might be the biggest decision Marcus Freeman will make in his entire Notre Dame head coaching career. So, again, all the reports say Tommy Reese leaving Notre Dame for Alabama. It's interesting. The Alabama fan base is not overly thrilled today. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of frustrated Tide fans. They don't have a whole lot to be upset about from time to time, so I guess when they get upset, they get upset. Well, Todd Burlidge has covered Notre Dame football for decades, contributor at Blue and Gold Illustrated. He's going to join me right now to talk a little Notre Dame football and our big news of the day surrounding Tommy Reese. Todd, it's Darren Pritchett. Great to be with you this afternoon. How are you? Not bad. Never a dull moment, eh, Mr. Pritchett? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've been through a few rodeos through the years with Notre Dame football. Yes, Just when everything's are. all calm and quiet, then boom, something always seems to happen. Well, Tommy is off to Tuscaloosa, it sure seems like. 
put it into perspective, Todd. There is just so much difference difference of opinion on how good Tommy Reese was at his job as offensive coordinator the last three years at Notre Dame. Some people thought he did a great job, and then there are the people who just didn't feel like he was very good at calling plays. What is your perspective on the Tommy Reese offensive coordinator tenure at Notre Dame? Very much a polarizing figure. You are correct about that. I personally thought he did a solid job. Um, Let's go, go back to 2020, his first year as OC, uh, 33.4 points a game. That was 30th. Jumped it up a little bit 2021 um, with Jack Cohn, 35.2 points a game. And then this year, 31.8 points a game, which ranked 42, which doesn't sound that impressive. But when, when you look at the circumstances that Reese was handed with Buckner getting injured after week two, he sort of switched gears, realized we have to be a run-first offense. I think he was adaptable in that respect. I think he did a good job. Darren, you know as well as I do, one thing they did this year in five straight games, they scored at least 35 points. It's only the second time in program history they've done that. So I, I think he did a good job. But at the same time, four years as an offensive coordinator, and what would it be? It would have been seven overall at one program. I think it stagnates you a little bit. And I think Tommy Reese felt like, you know what, I need to sort of carve my own path here and maybe even detach myself from the Notre Dame label. And, that, and that's what he's doing. I I wonder what kind of transparency there was, and then we'll probably never know, maybe we will, but how much transparency there was behind the scenes between he and Marcus Freeman when it, when it came to this decision and, and this interview and, frankly, how quickly this process happened. You know, Todd, my perspective on Tommy, I thought he did just fine as offensive coordinator. I think the offense needed to go to another level to be national championship caliber. I mean, you look at some of the offenses that have won titles the last five, six years. I mean, explosive offenses. And Notre Dame really was never in that category. And this is kind of where I had a, a problem with Tommy was. I think one of the reasons why they couldn't take it to the next level is the lack of solid quarterback recruiting for a couple of years put him in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. Now, under Marcus, things have changed. I think Tommy took his level of recruiting to another level, getting C.J. Carr in the 24 class, at least a commitment, and helping to get Sam Hartman in. So I think he was starting to turn the corner, but I thought his first couple of years of quarterback recruiting he made some bad choices, and that kind of led to the inability to take this offense to the next level. Do you buy that? Yeah, I do buy that, actually, very much so. And, uh, you know, when I talk about how we had to change gears and go to a run first game last year and last season, um, yeah, I, I do buy into that a little bit. Now, the Jack Cone move ended up being brilliant, as we all know. Yes. Sam Hartman, we have to wait to be seen here. But you're right, Darren, if you're trying to plug holes here every other year with a transfer quarterback instead of developing your own, I think there is a problem with recruiting. And what, what this does, what this move does to recruiting will be certainly a storyline worth watching moving forward. But I am with you. That, that's, that's what everybody gripes about, I think, more than anything with Notre Dame football. Is you have all these people, all these great players around your quarterback, uh, wide receiver perhaps, uh, a little sketchy there, but you get my point. Get the quarterback. Todd Burledge, contributor, Blue and Gold Illustrated, joining me here on WSBT Radio. So, Todd, Marcus Freeman has an opportunity to, if he wants to, change the Notre Dame offense. He has talked so much in his year as head coach about, I want to be able to run the football. Even when the opposition knows it, I want to run the football. 
let's be frank. Tommy is a guy that liked to throw the football. I mean, he's a quarterback. I can't mm-hmm. blame him for, for wanting to do that. Right, now he right. adapted, as you said, and ran the football. But do you think Marcus will look for someone that is really going to emphasize the running game? I mean, how do you look at what Marcus Freeman has in front of him with this decision? I think you set it off the top of the show, Darren, very well in, in that this is could very much become a defining moment for Marcus Freeman in his career at Notre Dame. He's the first to admit, I don't really know a lot about offense. I've kind of left it to yeah. Tommy. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to groom myself and get to know these situations a little bit better. But now he's stuck on the hot seat here. And in all honesty, when I look at the staff around him, I don't know if he has a lot of great sounding boards. Now, certainly he might outside of the Notre Dame family. But, you know, he's going to have to come up with an idea. Now, is he going to be the one that decides the identity of the Notre Dame offense? I suppose he has to be. But at the same time, it's just going to be so interesting to me to see what they do with Sam Hartman, who's a gunslinger. You know, this is, you know, you don't expect this to be a run first offense. But I think, you know, he's going to have to bring somebody in. So I don't know. It's just an awkward transition. I was so surprised there. And I'm going to give you some full disclosure here. Sure. On BlueAndGold.com, here's 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 a little bit of my brilliance. I posted a story about four hours before the Tommy, Tommy Reese news broke that I was confident that the staff was going to stay in place. <laughs> Notre Dame's entire <laughs> coaching staff was going to stay the uh, occupational hazard, right, Terry? Um, but but you, you, you're, yeah, trust me, the message board has had a field day with that one, uh, and rightfully so, and rightfully so. Uh, but yeah, it shows you a little bit of my uh, foresight and brilliance, but yeah, it came as a shock to me. It, it's a great question and one we'll have to see what happens here. A lot of the names are thrown around. I'm not all that familiar with, that's not necessarily my area of expertise, but what I guess it will be up to Marcus Freeman to find the right people to tell him which way he thinks this offense can go. I'm not confident that, that Marcus Freeman knows enough about offense to really have a good feel for what he wants to wants it to look like. Actually, you kind of led me right into my next question, and that was the fact that Tommy Reese is leaving Notre Dame on February the 3rd. We are a little right, over a month right. away from spring practice. Coaches across the country are settling into their next season. Do you think it puts Marcus Freeman – in a more difficult spot, having to find his guy at this point of the season? I really do, and that's why I was confident in saying that in that story, that you know, I, I just figured once, once National Signing Day passed on Wednesday, that was kind of all done. Not that there was much drama for Notre Dame, but I think you get my point. That was sure. all behind. Everything looked to be in order. All the pieces were in place that they were looking for from the recruiting trail, and now this. Absolutely, that's going to that's gonna be a tough spot. I don't know if, you know, maybe some more popular candidates he would have looked at have already, you know, gone to other places, signed contracts there. It, it just, it's late in the game, in my opinion. I think that, that does handicap Freeman a little bit. See, when we were starting this conversation, I was kind of brainstorming who might be someone that Marcus Freeman knows that he might contact, and you immediately start thinking about Ohio State guys, and you think about a guy whose name came up when Notre Dame was searching for a wide receiver coach, Brian Hartline at Ohio State, but Brian has been named offensive coordinator. He's going to call plays in the spring for Ohio State. Then Ryan Day is going to decide if he's going to 
give up the play calling duties to Hartline in the fall. So that's kind of an obvious name off the board. It almost seems like at this point, even NFL coaches who might be looking for a new job, like a, a Greg Roman who spent two years at Stanford with Jim Harbaugh and Andrew Luck. They averaged 40 right. points per game. I guess we can't eliminate anybody at this point from the NFL. No, and again, as I scroll down this list, Patrick Engel put together a nice piece on uh, com, kind of laying out some early potential candidates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them went right over my head, you know, Washington State and this and that. And I, I'm just not familiar enough with those guys daring to speak to him. But one he mentioned that I thought, you know, I, I think Notre Dame has gotten into a, with the Freeman hire. I think my first thought was, is there anybody in-house? That, that, and really nothing jumped out at me. You know, but Jared Parker was an offensive coordinator at West Virginia for a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, Notre Dame tight ends coach. So I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna ring the bell like Notre Dame fans want. I saw. I heard the name Dan Mullen. Uh, he's been an ESPN yeah. analyst now, uh, for I think one year. You know, he's the former uh, Florida coach and Mississippi State coach. Maybe he's an option. Um, I, I am intrigued by uh, this this Warren. Uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this. Warren Rogerio, he's the Wake Forest offensive coordinator, and they've done a great job down there with offense. Obviously, he's the one that groomed Sam Hartman. But is that what you want to do? Because you only have Hartman for one year. You know that much. So, it, it, do, you, do you think about something like that if you're satisfied with his body of work? It's going to be a really interesting search, and it's going to have to happen really fast, Darren. Yeah, and Mullen's a guy that was in South Bend for a couple of years as a grad assistant in 1999 and 2000, so that's that's a really interesting name that had not popped into my head. And all this conversation we're having also kind of builds toward Sam Hartman, who is enrolled at Notre Dame right now, part of the spring semester, picked the Fighting Irish after – his time at Wake Forest, went into the transfer portal, picked Notre Dame. You know, I've done a little digging, and with the help of an NCAA official, and this was confirmed by somebody else at Notre Dame, that you can actually transfer twice in an offseason. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that Sam could finish his spring semester at Notre Dame, and if he wanted to follow Tommy Reese to Alabama, I'm just using an example, he could do that. So that's another piece of the puzzle. When you mentioned the Wake Forest coach, I almost feel like he wants to get away from that slow mesh offensive system to show the NFL scouts what he can do. I, I think that's why Tommy was someone he was interested in working with because of an offense that had a, a lot of pro style to it. Now you can get another guy in here that can do the same thing, but uh, for Sam, what a tough spot. He found his perfect home, and now things are a little unsettled, and he has to wait and see who the new offensive coordinator is. You know what? You're you, you're asking me the question. I want to spin it back to you because I'm, I want to get your take. Yeah. How ticked off would you be if you were Sam Hartman? I, I, would I guess be... it's part of the biz now, but. Well, I, I would assume, and, and this is an assumption because we have not been allowed to talk to Sam yet, and that was supposed to be, what, today, and right. that got postponed yep. yesterday. I would like to know from Sam what went into his decision. I'm sure as a quarterback – your number one thing mm-hmm. is the offensive coordinator and the system you're running. He's not going to go to Navy or Army or Air Force to play quarterback. <laughs> he picked Tommy Reese's offense to hopefully win a lot of games here. And, heck, Todd, he wants to go to the NFL. He doesn't want to be a late-round pick, and he's got to show what he can do in a pro-style offense. So I would have to think he's disappointed right now, but maybe he can be warmed back up by Marcus Freeman picking the right guy. 
Yeah, for sure. And not only the offensive coordinator, but your position coach as well. So, you That's know, the, the, the Tommy Lee's put a bunch into the Hartman, uh, landing Hartman here. I guess I will throw this out when, when we talk about what's ahead of Freeman. My hope is that he didn't get caught off guard by this, and he probably shouldn't have. It's really been rumbled, Darren, you know this, yeah. that, that Tommy Reese wants to move on. He wants to, you know, he, he has bigger aspirations in his coaching career. You know, I think he proved that when he kind of flirted a little bit with Miami after shortly thereafter the uh, loss to Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl there, the 2022 Fiesta Bowl after the 2021 season. So I think once that, that had to put Freeman's antenna up a little bit, like this guy shopping around, yeah. you know, and, and hopefully they're, hopefully they're talking this through, you know, hopefully it's not happening in what's happening in one office isn't known in another office. Um, you know, like I said, I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what went on there, but I just hope that Freeman's not completely caught off guard here. And, and had a few names in mind, had a course of direction he might think about taking if indeed this, this day came. Boy, Todd, for a, a football program that is desperate to get back to the playoff and win a national championship, they're recruiting extremely well right now. But, Todd, it's awfully difficult to win a championship when it seems like every other year there's a coordinator change, which means the players have to go through all these changes, and it's even more difficult, I think you would agree, on the offensive side compared to the defensive side. So just all the, the fluctuations seems to put Notre Dame behind the eight ball before the season even starts. Yeah, it's, it is par for the course. It's part of the business, I guess. But, yeah, when you talk about Notre Dame, you're talking about at one point here um, they had leaned into they had three different defensive coordinators in three different seasons. So. You know, that's, that would be tough on any player. I, I, I'm sure the high school players realize that just because I'm talking and committing this coach doesn't necessarily mean he's <laughs> going, to, going to be there when I get yeah. there. So I, I think the cat's out of the bag on that front. And, and you know, maybe there's something to the, the high-quality programs obviously have a lot of churn at these positions because they're winning and folks want to gobble up the assistants. But it, it's, it, it has to be tough. But in, especially in this situation – you wonder a little bit, Darren, how many ties, you know, how deep do the ties run for Marcus Freeman when he wants to do this search? Probably pretty deep, but I wouldn't have thought, you know, as deep as a Brian Kelly who had been, in, you know, been around for decades and made so many more contacts than I assume Marcus Freeman has, has yeah. at this point. Uh, it, it's, again, it's a defining moment for Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Todd Burley is my guest. I'll ask you one more question. This, this is going to be kind of a difficult question. I'm going to – I want you to play the role of Nick Saban for a second, the Alabama head coach. You've watched Tommy Reese coach at Notre Dame, and mm -hmm. you've seen him coordinate the offense. What do you think Nick Saban saw in Tommy Reese that so many Irish fans didn't see? In all honesty, Darren, I think he saw um, you know, a promise there Reese was unable to fulfill, and, and maybe part of that's Reese's fault. The, obviously, the recruiting with the wide receivers, it looks good on paper, but, man, it just hasn't panned out. So I think Saban almost feels like if I can upgrade his talent to some of these skilled positions, this is yeah. the guy I want. He's good at I, I think that Reese showed that adjustability, adaptability, I guess is a better way to put it, adaptability when he was here was able to adjust his personnel due to injury or whatever the case may be. He had Michael Merritt, let's find Michael Merritt, let's find, you know, just kind of knew how to play to his strengths. 
and try to hide his weaknesses as well. So I, I, that, that would be my guess. It, it was an interesting, I, I loved your lead in when you're talking about the grumblings on the, on the Tuscaloosa side of things. Uh, that's pretty funny stuff. And I'm not surprised, not, not really the splash name. So let me throw, if I don't know, I hope we're not getting up against time here, but how much, how important do you think it is for Notre Dame to make a splash hire here? Obviously, so like recruiting that, if nothing else. Yeah, it. I just, Todd. I'm just really. It, it's hard to analyze right now, just because we're on February third. This isn't December third, where you're right. just in the midst of all the changes. The changes have occurred across the country. Now, Notre Dame has the luxury of being a terrific historic program, and there's a lot of people that would like to come here. But at this stage of the game, I I just don't know from a coaching standpoint is that a challenge that you want to take on coming to a school this late in the process. I, I don't have answers because I've never been in the shoes of coaches. I just, more than anything, you want to get the right guy, but it almost feels like he could right. be limited because it is February the 3rd. This is fascinating. Exactly. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the pond is, the, the, you know, the pond is drying out fast. I don't know. Do you make Jared Parker like an interim OC? I, I don't know. I'll just throw that out there for, well, for conversation, but I wish he would have done better at Boston College, but John McNulty would have been an interesting addition to to add some veteran presence in some capacity to the offense. Now he got fired as offensive coordinator at Boston College after leaving Notre Dame as tight end coach to take that. So maybe he comes on as one of those people that just kind of helps with the offense. But yeah, it's it's going to be Marcus has a big big challenge. You know, he's the lead of recruiting. He's getting ready for spring practice, and now you get this thrown in your lap. Uh, even for a 10-year head coach, I think this is a challenging situation. Mercy. No doubt. It's it's something I, you know, it's, I remember last year um, there was some late turnover there. At the, when Parker came in, Parker wasn't hired until uh, February 14th, if I'm not mistaken, after McNulty left late. I think McNulty left either the last yep. day of January or the first day of February. So that was one of the strange – I thought that was late. And now you're losing your offensive coordinator much later. Well, not much later, but you get my point. And, yep. and that's a, those are bigger shoes to fill than a tight end coach. No doubt. Hey, Todd, where can Irish fans read your work, listen to you? I, I think you've been involved with podcasts. So what are their choices? Uh, find me at Todd Burlage, T-O-D-D-B-U-R-L-A-G-E on Twitter, um, blueandgold.com, Blue and Gold Illustrator. Those are kind of the three biggies right now, Darren. Very good. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for jumping on on a very busy day in Notre Dame football. Enjoyed the conversation. We'll check in again soon. I hope so. I appreciate the invite, Darren. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, Todd Burlage. He's covered the Fighting Irish for decades and a very interesting spot. Marcus Freeman finds himself needing an offensive coordinator on February the 3rd. We'll take a break. Sportsbeat continues. Tommy Reese reportedly off to Alabama. You're listening to coverage of the Fighting Irish on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 533 at WSBT. Sportsbeat continues on this Friday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett. Bama Insider, it is a website that covers Alabama sports, part of the On3 family, like Blue and Gold Illustrated. They have a story up on Tommy Reese, reportedly become the offensive coordinator at Alabama, leaving his alma mater, Notre Dame. 
and they're trying to make sense of why Tommy Reese is the choice of Nick Saban. And they write, and I'll read from their article, Reese, from his time at Notre Dame, would bring to Tuscaloosa a commitment to the run game. That's how these Irish offenses have been built since he took over as the offensive coordinator in 2020. But how exactly does Georgia play its passing game off its run game? Well, you've seen the emergence of dynamic play at tight end position. Really, the featuring of tight ends is what we're here to talk about today. I believe Saban would like to utilize the position more in Alabama's offense. And, of course, they reference the fact Tommy has worked with some phenomenal tight ends here in South Bend, including Michael Mayer. So again, the reports are out that Tommy Reese has accepted Nick Saban's offer to become Alabama's offensive coordinator. There are reports that Tommy Reese is now the highest paid coordinator in college sports now. We'll wait to see if that is actually reality. But I'm sure it took a couple of extra coins to get Tommy from Notre Dame to come to Alabama. And I said this yesterday, I feel feel the same way. If Tommy wants to be an NFL coach someday or a coordinator going to Nick Saban, it's a great choice. I think that is the logical place to go if that is your aspiration. If you want to be a college head coach, Notre Dame, Alabama, it really doesn't matter where you go. But I think if this is his path, go to the NFL. Working with Nick Saban makes so much sense. All right, we'll continue to follow the progress of this story. Of course, Monday's program will continuing continue to talk about Tommy leaving and what Marcus Freeman might do at the late stage of the game as he tries to find a new offensive coordinator. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll shift gears. Notre Dame hockey, an important series starting tonight at Michigan State. Ben Holden from the Big Ten Network. He's going to call Saturday's game. He's going to join me to talk some pucks next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Now, later tonight, I'll be shifting over to the Notre Dame Radio Network here in South Bend. You can hear Fighting Irish Hockey on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. Jeff Jackson's Fighting Irish on the road, a two-game series against the Michigan State Spartans. This is kind of a battle for home ice in the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals with three weeks to go. And I'm joined by one of the voices of Big Ten hockey on the Big Ten Network, Ben Holden. He will be calling tomorrow night's game at Munn Ice Arena between the Irish and the Spartans. And, of course, Ben has called a lot of hockey games through the years involving Notre Dame going back to the old Joyce Center ice rink where you had to be careful that your chair did not fall off the platform. Right, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a valid point, Darren. It's uh yeah, I, I got uh, I got bumped off that edge many nights. It's always good to talk to you, and it's always uh, it's always exciting to talk about Notre Dame and you know how I feel about Jeff Jackson and his program, and just always it's to me it's always a big deal in in the Big Ten. I mean, every game's like that. You got brand name schools, and and this is a critical series for both these teams. I mean, you know, you look at the way the season has gone, and Minnesota's you know run away with it, and that team is. I've done four of their games this year, and they are, to me, they're the best team in the country. But this this final stretch of these final six, eight games that teams have left, 
is uh, I think it's going to be some of the best must-watch must college hockey we've, we've seen all season. And, and Notre Dame and Michigan State are right in the mix of it, man. So it's going to be a fun series this weekend. Ben, it's been an interesting year for Notre Dame. First off, one thing about Jeff Jackson teams, they always get better in the second half, and we are starting to see that over the last couple of weeks. But this was a hockey team that won three in a row in mid-October and until last weekend had not won back-to-back games. So this is their first true winning streak since October. You've had a chance to review the games last weekend at the Compton between Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Did anything stand out about the way the Irish played last week? weekend against the Badgers yeah a couple things did Darren I mean and think of this real quick I mean Notre Dame sweeps its first Big Ten series of the year and I did Michigan their second game with Penn State last week that was Michigan's first sweep wow. of the season that's how competitive the Big Ten has been to your point earlier but I think for me number one I think Notre Dame and I watched them in the series against Penn State the week before having Penn State you know in Michigan as I mentioned last week so I've seen their last four games, and I think what they've done is the, the biggest thing for me, number one, is they played with more of a purpose. And you and I know, and anyone that knows hockey, you, you've got to get to the, the dirty areas of the ice. You've got to get to the blue paint. You've got to make life tough on the defense cores. You've got to make life tough on the goaltenders. I think they've done a really good job of that with some of their skilled players and some of their size players. You know, Chase Primo has been on a nice run, as we know, three and three coming into the weekend series. And Jack Adams finds a way to score, and Janicki's starting to score a little bit more, and Strand scoring. He had a couple last weekend. So I think that was number one for me. And then I think number two was the fact that they score five times on the power play. And as we know, the power play, it really struggled in those middle 15 to 20 games for Notre Dame, and it's, it's found its touch. And, you know, some might say, oh, Wisconsin's in last place in this league. But Wisconsin's no slouch when it comes to the penalty kill. They're a top 15 penalty kill unit. And in talking to some of the guys this week uh, that Fred Fletch and I did, specifically Lieberman and, and Trevor Janicki, you know, I said to both guys, I said, you guys look really comfortable. You look like the power play is moving in the right direction. Obviously, you get five. It's moving in a good direction. But just the confidence I saw, the puck movement, the positioning, and again, the net front presence, getting traffic in front, you always hear that phrase, create chaos in front of the goaltender. And I think Notre Dame's done a really good job in that area. They did last weekend on the penalty kill, and they've also done it as well in the even strength department. Ben, with your history covering NCHC games, did you run across Chase Primo a whole lot when he was at Omaha? I did. Yeah, well, I did. I saw him a lot. And I was, uh, you know, I didn't know Chase real well. There were a few other guys on that Omaha team that. You know, I was I was fairly close with doing a lot of their games and then doing that bubble, of course, the pod we did in uh, in the COVID year. But, you know, I've always liked his game. And, you know, he's got the big body like his dad. And, you know, he's always had good hands around the net. And, uh, you know, for him, um, I mean, you know, again, you're talking about Notre Dame. You know, I mean, who who doesn't dream about when they're a little kid going to play whatever the sport is at Notre Dame? I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of part of – you know, the, the sports fabric of our country, whatever sport it is. And so I, I'm happy for him. He's getting a chance to play for Jeff and play and be a part of that program. And, you know, he just, if he plays with that size, he plays with his hands around the net where he scored at lately. He's a very effective player. And I saw a lot of that in the NCHC his first few years. And that's usually where he scored. He was scoring from, you know, four five, six feet out. And, and that's really, as you know, Darren, that's what he's done lately. And, uh, I think it's a good addition. I, 
I, I loved what Jeff had last year with the transfers. I mean, I yeah. thought they were all those guys that he brought in were incredible, and the guys he's brought in this year have been great. And um, you know, it's interesting to see him go that route the last couple of years. And and those guys are, you know, you you need that. To me, in college hockey, you look at the teams that have won in recent years in the last, let's say, the last seven to ten years. They've been older teams and. You know, when you're bringing in high-end talent like Notre Dame does, like Michigan does, like Minnesota does, and BU does, sometimes it's hard when you get late in the season and you get in those grinding, tough situations, and, and you need some of that older, more veteran, more physically and mentally mature-type uh, players that, that I'm referencing that, that Jeff had and, and he's got now. So um, I, I think Primo's a great fit, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play again uh, this weekend. The Big Ten Network's Ben Holden, my guest, talking Fighting Irish Hockey here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. I'd love for you to talk about Landon Slaggett for a moment, but I, w- I want to set up the question by saying this. Many great scores, whether it's NHL, college, midgets, you need a guy to, to set you up, have a really good assist guy at the center position. You think about Brett Hull, he had Adam Oates for a time with the St. Louis Blues. Or back in Notre Dame history, T.J. Tynan works so well with Anders Lee. You know, Landon only yeah. has a couple of goals this year. And, and this is Darren talking, not Jeff Jackson. I'm not a college hockey coach, but I'm just not sure there's that perfect playmaker at center that brings out the best in Landon Slaggart. I think his numbers don't tell the whole story. I feel like outside of the goaltender, he's our best penalty kill guy. And in terms of work ethic, back-checking, doing all the little things that do not show up in the stat sheet, that is how important Landon Slaggart is to this team. Well, he, he is really important. And, you know, and, and when Fred and I talked to Jeff, you know, earlier in the week, you know, it was really it wasn't, you know, obviously his name came up because you looked at his numbers, you know, a couple weeks ago and he had two two goals and two assists. And you're like, wow, that's not like him. But the, the the theme coming from Jeff was really offensively, for whatever reason, most of the team was snake bit. You know, Janicky's starting to step up and, you know, he's scoring some goals. Jack Adams, a guy I love. I just love Jack's story. I uh, joked with him uh, the other day. I said, Jack, you realize Saturday you're playing your final game as a 25-year-old young man. <laughs> so, you know, he can score some big goals. And you know, I just think I just think for Landon it's it's this. And, and maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't want to question the pieces they have him with either any more than you do. But I think it's just – I think it comes down to what Jeff really wants to see out of his team starting this weekend for the final six games. And that's kind of something I talked about what they've been doing the last two weekends. And that's getting to the net, creating chaos, making smart plays. And, you know, it's going to be a challenge this weekend, Darren, as you know, with Dylan St. Cyr, because you saw him for the couple years he played at Notre Dame, arguably the best puck handler in college hockey. And, and you got to be smart with dumps. The guy's like a third defenseman back there. And, you know, for sure, you've got, you know, a former Notre Dame player going against his former team, and he and Bischel were buddies when they were there, of course, and they've both been through a lot. I think that's an incredible storyline as well in this series with, you know, two guys that have dealt with an awful lot of adversity, and they're two of the best in, in the country right now, and certainly Bischel's numbers are phenomenal. So, uh, you know, back on track a little bit, I think, you know, with just with Slagger, just keep playing your game. Play that hard that physical, that fast, in-your-face kind of game. And, you know, I, I think he can uh, – he and the rest of his team, I really think, 
they got a chance to do some damage here down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, the series starts this weekend. Then they've got Ohio State. They've got a week off after that. I've got them their final game of the year on Big Ten Network at Michigan. And, you know, we always know how much fun and how good those games are. So I think if they continue to do what they've done the last couple of weeks, uh, I think they're going to be a really tough team to beat down the stretch, Darren. Let me sneak in two more questions. The first is, give me a thought on Michigan State, a team that a month or so ago was playing really good hockey. They were becoming one of the surprises of college hockey. It seems like the win total has slowed down a little bit the last few weeks. Yeah, it really has. I mean, they've only won two games in their last 11 or 12 games, and, you know, they went to Minnesota and, you know, got pasted there. But a lot of teams have gone to Minnesota and got pasted too. I know Notre Dame played them pretty tight. Uh, in South Bend, and, you know, I did the series at Michigan State with Minnesota. It started my my package of games this year, and, you know, they, they came in, and that's not, that's exactly what we said. I, I came on the air, I remember that night, saying, so far, this Michigan State team is the best story in college hockey. They were off, I believe it was 11-5-1 they started, and I don't know the exact reasons for the for the struggles, um, you know, I also did their series of Michigan and those were two, two, one games and what you'd expect in a rivalry game. They were hard fought goals were hard to come by They're physical games. And that's exactly what I think we're going to see in these two games with Michigan state and Notre Dame. Cause they're really, to me, they're, they're mirror images of one another. They're, they're, they're systematic. They're, they're tight in the way they play. I mean, I think for Michigan state, yeah, the numbers haven't shown it since December, but my third year in the Big Ten, in the previous two years, they were a very tough team to watch. They just didn't do anything that really did much for a, from a hockey standpoint. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they swung D to D. They were slow coming up ice. The biggest thing for those that maybe haven't seen them play is they're going to play at a high pace. I mean, Adam Nightingale has an incredible background. He's coached in a lot of places, and they're – they're a team that wants to move fast. They want to move north. They're D, get the puck up ice quick, and, you know, it'll always be a challenge for any team when that speed's coming at you. They don't mess around. They play fast. They play hard. They play smart. That's kind of their, their mantra under Nightingale. And, you know, I think, you know, you give Adam a little bit of time, I think they're finally going to get it right at Michigan State because you're starting to see some of these high-end recruits that haven't gone to Michigan State in a decade-plus. Mm-hmm that Adam is getting commits on for, you know, the next year and the coming years. And, and so there is a difference. I know the numbers don't specifically indicate that, but then you throw in the fact that you got a Dylan St. Cyr, who again, as you know, yep. um, is to me is as good as any goalie in the country. And um, I'm really excited about the goaltending. Uh, I think they're going to be two playoff games this weekend, Darren. I really do. I'll leave you with this, and I know at times fans, media members, we have issues with recency bias, and I think back to Mm -hmm. 2018, the Big Ten had three teams in the Frozen Four, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, of course, that was the heartbreaking year losing to Minnesota Duluth, the Irish came up short in the title game, but you look at this year, and I'm just going to use my USCHO.com vote as an example, I had Minnesota number one for a second straight week. I have Michigan 6, Penn State 7, Ohio State 8, Notre Dame 18, Michigan State 19. Knowing what I just said about 18, is there an argument that this is, from top to bottom, the best Big Ten conference so far? 
I think so. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, I was I was on the other side, the NCHC, for yep. nine years, and you know they had the dominance over there. And you know, you'd see Michigan, Minnesota have a good year. Notre Dame's had a couple really good years. Jeff, you know, getting to the getting to the uh, championship game, winning the tournament in the Big Ten a couple times. So, uh, without question, I mean, it's it reminds me of what I experienced for nine years doing the NCHC. I mean, it's any team on any given night. It doesn't matter, in this mm. case, one through seven in the conference. I mean, Wisconsin's beat Michigan. Wisconsin beat Ohio State. I mean, they've, they've had some, some big wins. They just, for whatever reason, they've really struggled. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people look at Wisconsin going into Michigan saying this weekend saying, well, that's six points for Michigan. Not so fast, my friend. I, I think, you know, it's literally a game at a time. Every single point matters, and, and I can't wait to see how the cards fall the rest of the season and see what we we end up with come playoff time i mean that penn state ohio state series i think will be dynamite this weekend in columbus um you know their game follows our game at four o'clock on saturday on big 10 network and you know i think those two teams are really mirror images of one another i'd say the difference between those two teams is is Jakob dolbish and i think the guy's going to play in the nhl for about 15 years he's an unbelievable talent and um, but but skill, talent, depth wise, I think those two teams are are pretty even. So um, I, I think the you know every series this weekend is going to be going to be tighter than people think. All right, Ben, we'll have the call on the Big Ten Network Saturday at four o'clock. Notre Dame visiting Michigan State. Always enjoy your analysis and our conversations. Really appreciate it, and have a great call on Saturday. Thanks, Darren. I enjoy it, too. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's always fun to talk with you. You bet. That's Ben Holden from the Big Ten Network. More sports beat in a moment on WSBT. A simple 20-minute in-office procedure called balloon sinuplasty can give you the ability to breathe freely. And the relief you'll feel after will have you asking yourself, why did I wait so long? Sometimes breaking up is hard to do. <laughs> but during my best breakup ever sales event, breaking up with your old ride is easy breezy. It's your love, Dr. Fred Grody here from Grody Automotive. If you have an old ride, dump it. Because I'm here to help you hook up with a car you love. And during my best breakup ever sales event, it pays to be single and ready to mingle. Because you could drive for a couple bucks down. Yep, just $2 down and you could drive home today. Past credit problems breaking your heart? You'll fall in love with my credit approval process. We can match up almost anyone. So if you're falling out of love with your old ride, pucker up, buttercup, and kiss that clunker goodbye. You can drive a car you love for just $2 down, but only during my best breakup ever sales event. Hurry, this deal won't last long. And after this weekend, it'll be sealed with a kiss. I'm Freedom Fred, and I'm on a mission to help you break free from your old ride. Get pre-approved at GrodyNation.com. That's GrodyNation.com. Credit and $2 down require bank approval. Offers may not combine. Negative equity may be refinanced. Offer absolutely ends 22823. After World War I, the American economy was booming and South Bend was one of the major industrial centers of the Midwest. In this environment, Midland Engineering was founded in 1922 to provide commercial roofing installation services for local businesses and institutions such as Studebaker, Bendix, and Notre Dame. Midland Engineering was built to serve its customers best by combining the latest material and application technology with the commitment to service and uncompromised craftsmanship. And 100 years later, Midland Engineering is still serving its customers the same way today. You've seen the CPAP mask and don't want anything to do with it. Advent can help with office-based solutions that have solved thousands of snoring and sleep apnea problems. Advent knows.com. 
Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family in. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future and Pet Refuge urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings. Have happy endings. Tommy Reese reportedly is the new offensive coordinator at Alabama. We'll talk more about this subject and Marcus Freeman's choices for new offensive coordinator coming up on Monday's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Well, coming up tonight on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM, will be Notre Dame Hockey, the Fighting Irish visiting Michigan State, the Irish with a win and a tie over the Spartans in October at the Compton Family Ice Arena. It was a 5-0 victory and a 1-1 tie, so the two sides will play once again tonight at a great place to watch a hockey game, Munn Ice Arena in East Lansing. So you have that to look forward to if you are a hockey fan. We do not have any high school basketball tonight because the Mishawaka Cavemen played last night and lost at Warsaw despite being up 15 in the third quarter. So the girls are on center stage tonight with sectional semifinal action at Marion, Plymouth, Concord, I think Bremen as well. So some good girls high school basketball action taking place tonight. All right, so that's going to wrap up Budweiser's weekday sports beat for tonight. Again, enjoy your weekend. If you want more coverage of the departure, reportedly, of Tommy Reese to Alabama, you can always check out my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And my thanks to Todd Burlidge for joining me earlier in the program to offer his insight on Tommy Reese. Have a great weekend, everyone. We will talk to you again on Monday. We'll be on the air from 5 to 7 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers. All made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street. Across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.